inescapable love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about Plum Velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about <laughs> Harry Potter. Hello and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Decker Jesse Blount, and today we're going to be talking about chapter 12 but first we have a couple of announcements heck yeah so as you probably already know we're doing a live show on halloween our first ever live recording we're going to be talking about chapter 16 the goblet of fire it's going to be super and the tickets are available now today as of the release of this episode you can buy them there will be a link in the show notes and on our website and on social media and probably lots of other places you should totally come. It It's on Zoom, so you can attend from everywhere, but tickets are limited. So, you know, grab them up while they're available. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm getting more and more excited as time <laughs> goes, but probably be back to just being terrified by the time we actually get there. It'll be fine. We can just do tequila shots beforehand. <laughs> I don't know if that would help or hurt. <laughs> fair, very fair. Yeah, and before that, for free, we are having our second uh, Instagram Live Mad Tea Party, where we're going to be drinking tea and doing Mad Libs with all of you, probably in costumes, probably with spooky-themed tea, uh, and definitely spooky-themed Mad Libs that Jesse's going to write. They're Heck yeah. great. Um, so that'll be on the 29th at 4 p.m. Eastern on instagram anybody can come hang out with us that's also going to be super fun and lastly you still have time to get in on our october special is if you donate any amount to us on the hashtag ruthless website i will send you a spooky animal fact on a homemade card hand cut and glued by me uh, and I want to thank the folks who've already donated, um, Miriam, Jessica, and Aubrey. Thank you so much for donating. Hopefully by the time this episode comes up, your cards will already be in the mail. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. And now, what happens in this chapter? What What did happen in uh, Chapter 12, the Triwizard Tournament? The gang finally gets to Hogwarts. And Harry's excited to be at his second sorting ceremony, even though he's been going to the school for four years now. Uh, Hermione is disgusted to learn that Hogwarts runs on slave labor, and no one seems to care. We meet this year's uh, DADA teacher, Fake Moody, and Dumbledore announces that the Tri-Wizard Tournament is happening this year at Hogwarts. So no Quidditch for you, but something even more dangerous. But at least only witches of legal age can enter this Death Olympics, <clears throat> which is not stopping our favorite underage Aries twins from scheming. Welcome back to Hogwarts. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> Excellent. 
And now we're going to start this newspaper off with today's headlines. This plot could be a lady or a bitch girl, but it is thicky, 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 thick. (laughs) 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 I'm going to pass out from laughing. Oh, my God. Wow. What a great I way to start this up. Made sense to no one born after like 1990, but that's fine because it made <laughs> me very happy. <laughs> uh, <sighs> all right. Yes, let's dig into this juicy plot with the front page where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. I just once again want to reiterate as Harry passes by the what I'm assuming are beautiful statues of winged boars, which are, where the fuck are my are my flying boars in this story, surf and turf? Very upset by this. <laughs> deeply, deeply upset. You have every right to be upset. I mean, I'm sure they're living in the Forbidden Forest, because it sounds dangerous as fuck, as far as everything I know about wild boars and the wild boar issue that is currently happening in the southern and western United States that I'm sure is just creeping ever closer to the Midwest because of climate change. True. I don't know what I'm upset about. The part where Harry fucking Potter goes into the room where everyone is going to eat some food, oh takes his <laughs> shoes off of his feet, and pours water out of them. Where? Where does he pour? On the floor? He just yes. jumps... On the floor? On the floor. This was literally my next point because it made me so disgusting and horrified. That's fucking gross, Harry. That's so gross. You couldn't have done that in the entryway where there's probably a thick-ass rug, which is still gross. But at least since everyone's tracking mud through the entrance hall, it would have been fine. No, you gotta take this. You gotta do this in the place where everyone is eating. It's fucking disgusting. And like, hey... Dear Hermione, my magically inclined friend, my shoes, they're so wet. Can you help? Almost certainly, yes. Hermione yeah. is already dry. Like, oh, yes. She is. <laughs> what is happening here? Like, that's so gross. Ah. I can't believe that's just like written there on the. It's just there. Like, someone just put that on a page and put that out into the world. Harry dumped his shoes out <laughs> on the floor. What? <laughs> I guess many teen boys are very gross, so. I'm never going to (laughs) recover from having read it. (laughs) That's fair. It is really gross. It's just, it's uncalled for. (laughs) It really is. Uh, All right. Yes. Please talk about something else so I don't have to think about it anymore. Okay. I'm actually going to a thing that I really enjoyed, which is. I feel like the Creepy Brothers, as being Muggle-born kids, have the correct amount of enthusiasm. Like, Harry's trying to be all too cool for school, like, I would tone it down. No, we're in a fucking magical school. <laughs> I just got saved by a giant squid. Squids don't even live in this region of the world, let alone in a lake. Like, are you fucking kidding me? That is a fucking cryptid. It's like being saved by, like, Bigfoot. That's fucking rad, Harry Potter. You're absolutely right. Also, Ten Bucks says that Dennis Creevy has a 
tentacle cake for the rest of his life and it takes oh, yeah. him forever to figure out why. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, lucky for him, uh, there's plenty of porn in the world for him for that. So. Yeah, he's growing up in, in the right uh, time. You know, he's going to come of age with the internet. Yeah, it just it does it actually does make me wonder what the like sex toy industry in the witching world is like. Probably not great. He's muggle-born, so he doesn't have to worry about it. I know. I'm about to say he's lucky that he's muggle-born and, just, and can just buy. Will be able to buy so much like fancy shit on the internet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. No, I swear to God, a witch with a tentacle kink would be out like hunting octopi to like cut off their tentacles and reanimate into something. You're like, stop. Oh my god, silicone exists. Right, or some really weird transfiguration. It's like, right, you could just get something that's silicon. Yeah. Like. Much less creepy. <sighs> yeah. Um, I have like a little subsection titled, What Even Is the Point of Being Magic? <laughs> three points within this subsection. Oh, I, I guess I had some things about that in education, but yeah, we can talk about it now. Okay. So the first one is that everyone in this hall, I'm guessing except Hermione, is soaking wet. Oh, yeah. No, I have that. Okay. Do you want why? to talk about it later? We, no, we can talk about it now. Okay. Yeah, why? I mean, the, these these children, these tiny baby 11-year-olds, they're just standing in this giant drafty hall soaking wet. Why didn't anyone dry them? Yeah, it's like, McGonagall, you're in front of all these kids. Literally wave your wand and make these kids dry. Vanish the water. They like standing there. Do you think that's like... dangerous? Sorry. Do you think if you tried to vanish the water out of someone's clothes, you risk vanishing all the water out of their body and them like immediately becoming mummified? Ugh, maybe. But I feel like drying spells have to exist. Yes, like, definitely. Come on. And if they do exist, McGonagall must know some level of that. I feel like if you. If you play Quidditch, you should know what a drawing spell is. You should know these drawing spells. And, like, McGonagall definitely played Quidditch back in the day. Slash mm-hmm. maybe now still. Oh, she has, like, a gay pickup league with Hooch and uh, Sprout. Um, yeah, definitely. People who live in Hogsmeade. Yeah, her and Hooch definitely get drunk and talk about, like, vintage racing brooms and, like, can be just, like, sporty dykes together. Totally. Uh, so yeah, the fact that she's just everyone just letting these kids be damp for this long is just unfathomable. Yeah, it's really inappropriate. We definitely see someone like do like a blow drying spell at some point in a later book too. Like conjure some towels, literally anything. Yeah. My next what is the point of being magic is that Flitwick is sitting on a chair with a pile of cushions instead of summoning himself a chair that's the right height for him which is like partly i almost put in like politics as like an ableism thing because it's like why doesn't he have his like a permanent seat that's the right size for him at this table but also like he is an incredibly powerful witch so i feel like it's kind of a choice at that point because like We've seen Dumbledore already and we'll see many more times just like create a chair out of thin air. So I'm like, why? Why? Right. And it doesn't have to be like, I don't know, give me a bar stool or something like that already exists. It's I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could definitely talk about it because I already have a subset of my politics is going to be 
prostheses and other magical support aids or lack thereof. So I feel like, yeah, someone please conjure <laughs> Flitwick a chair that is made for his body. Right. Good. Yeah. So the fact that Moody is rocking a wooden leg is my last. What is the point of being magic? And we will talk about that in your politics section. Okay. Yeah. I have a lot of feelings about this. Um, yeah. What do you have? So this is a conversation that Harry's like, wait, do you like brother? Do you like siblings always end up in the same house? And mine's like, I don't know. You would have thought the Patel twins would have ended up in the same house, but they're not. And I'm like, yeah, I get that because twins aren't the same people. They probably were like, finally, a mm. chance to flourish away from my fucking identical twin sister. Yeah, it it made me wonder if all the Weasleys are Gryffindors because like the same reason that Harry's a Gryffindor. Like they felt like they had to be Gryffindors, you know? Yeah, I feel like I read a really good fan fiction once where a bunch of the Weasleys were in different houses, which was really good. Because like... Let's be real about Percy being a Slytherin. <laughs> right. Percy is a Slytherin. I feel like Charlie is probably a Hufflepuff. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think maybe even Ron would have done well in Hufflepuff. Probably. I think it would have been good for his self-esteem. Yeah. And if we're being super realistic, it would have made just as much sense for the twins to be Ravenclaws as Gryffindors. Yeah, Definitely. Like, they are the only person in the school that's really, like, in competition with them for, like, the smartest kids in school is Hermione. So. Yeah, and Hermione excels at doing all the bullshit work you have to do to excel at school, and the twins don't. Um, Right. But, like, Luna is a Ravenclaw, and if she's, you know, if her brand of intellect is Ravenclaw-worthy, then theirs absolutely is. Now I'm just imagining the twins being in like Ravenclaw and like befriending Luna as like their other little sister and just like how cute and also how much weird shit they all would have gotten into is just it like warms my heart. Mm-hmm. Cool. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So like yeah, they all could have done equally well, if not better, in other houses besides them all being in Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I agree. Uh, okay, so. The careful listener may remember that back in episode 6A, we talked about Hagrid's moleskin coat and decided for our own mental health that it was cotton, the kind of cotton that is referred to as moleskin. But in this chapter, we learned that it is in fact furry, which means that it is made of moles, which I'm just really upset about. The only way this makes sense is if there are some giant fucking moles in the witching world. Can you imagine how many moles it would take to make a coat the size of a circus tent? Thousands. Literally thousands. If not like a million. Moles are very small. There's lots of (laughs) kinds of moles, but I think like the biggest are like the size of a cat, right? Probably. Yeah, I don't think moles like really get super big. Still, that's a lot. That's a lot of moles. I think we're just going to have to assume, like the flying boars we've never seen, that there are some giant moles. <laughs> there has to be. Oh, no, I'm totally wrong. They're so small. The largest, well, it's called the large mole. I don't know if that means that it is actually the biggest one, but it's only seven inches. Seven inches? The, oh, no. I feel like ermines are actually much bigger than seven inches. Because we'll make 
ermine coats. Yeah, they're um, long. They're really skinny, yeah. but they're long. Yeah, so that's super upsetting, and I hate it. Giant moles. It's fucking, it's a magical world. I mean, I'm fine with giant moles. I hate that Hagrid's coat is made of, I mean, even if they're, I mean, what are you thinking magic? What, like, are Like the size of a horse. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Because then, if it's circus tent size, it's like maybe a few dozen moles. That yeah, are like horse size. The size of a horse. <laughs> maybe not like tall as tall, but like me like lengthwise and like girthwise uh-huh. the size of a horse. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know if I can deal with that either. That's also horrifying. Listen, they're eating all the all the crops at the Hogwarts garden and Hagrid's like, "Well, waste not, want not." Now I'm just imagining like fucking horror movie moles that are like coming up out of the ground like a sandworm and Beetlejuice just like swallowing children and pumpkins left and right. right. That which seems like the kind of terrible magical creature this world would have, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, no, you're right. I don't want to move off of this without reminding people that Theo drew a wonderful comic inspired by our last conversation about this that you should go check out on our website. I'll link to it in the show notes. What do you have next? We get some more pointless exposition in this chapter, which is always frustrating, but we're in book four. About Snape and Sirius. About Snape, about Sirius, about, I mean, maybe not so much about Dumbledore, but there is a handful of like explaining things where it's like, We've never had a teacher last more than a year. And it's like, we're in book four. We're in chapter 12 of book four. At this point, I know what's happening. We're in chapter 12 and almost 200 pages into book four. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you're right. Um, So the first kid that we see get sorted into Slytherin is named Malcolm Baddock. His name is Bad Bad. Yep. It That's sure is. so funny. I think it's so funny. <laughs> I actually, like, I think it's hit the level of absurdity that I'm like, I appreciate this. This is a good name. Yeah, that's like Cruella DeVille level of naming. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Dumbledore's outfit is giving me gay at Runfair vibes. Can you describe it? I forgot what it is. It is a, like, it's like a deep green... With suns and moons on it. With his, like, half-moon spectacles. Nice. Just, like, I bet it's made of velvet. It's not described as velvet, but I'm like, I bet it is. Of course it's velvet. (laughs) And I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So if you have this somewhere else, we should talk about it there. um, About, like, Neville's ADHD stuff. Oh, actually, I, I don't have that. Okay. Um, so we get like a nice little, you know, it's a, actually a really nice moment of seeing Neville's ADHD in this chapter where he forgets the trick step um, on the way up to the dorm. And, you know, it's just like he has a notoriously poor memory and Harry and Ron are just like, oh, that's like our friend that misses the step and they just like haul him out and not only that is it you know just like totally casual not mentioned but ron tells off the statue that's laughing at neville i know i actually peeped that as a really good ron moment and i'm like that's so nice yeah 
he doesn't get a lot of nice moments, but that is that is <laughs> really like good friending, Ron. You did it. Truly. Yeah, I also wrote that that would be me always forgetting where the trick step was and being like, God damn it. Yep. Literally every day for seven years, that would be me. I'd be like, there's a million stairs. How the fuck am I supposed to remember where the like 12 trick stairs are? Also, why are there trick stairs? Someone fix this. That's the question, isn't it? (laughs) Just no. I would learn a spell just to fucking make those tricksters go away. I'm like, is it a freezing spell? Just to like yell at them? Just to like give them offerings? Because no, fuck that. Yeah, or just start levitating yourself up the stairs. Right. Because then what happens, it goes up to my, what is it? It tastes like it's calf. I would then, I would fall on my face every day. Because I'm also clumsy. (laughs) And it's like, oh, hell no. Yep. Or you would develop unbelievably powerful glutes from hauling yourself up with like just the strength of one leg at a time i don't know i feel like the like even just hauling yourself across this castle would give you like really excellent like leg muscles yeah so everyone's calves probably look great that's true they do i'm sure uh i just want to know more about this like ghost council that the ghosts have like they meet like all the time is it like just about peeves i have so many questions oh that's a good question do you think they have, you know, like the teachers have the teacher's lounge? Do the ghosts have a lounge? That's just where they hang out. I hope so. Me too. <laughs> the ghost lounge. Yeah. Which sounds like a bar that I would want to go to. Yeah, but it sounds like a very trendy bar that I would definitely go to. <laughs> All right. I just also want to say no to screaming yo-yos and fanged frisbees. Why would you buy these things? Why would you make these things and sell to children? Everything about the existence of these two items is wrong. It's incorrect. You're here forever bashing boomerangs, though? Okay, I'm not here for that. But that (laughs) seems, while also terrible and annoying. I'm just like a a screaming, like, yo-does that make noise are already annoying, but a screaming yo-yo and something that has teeth flying at you with the like quickness of a frisbee is like it takes skill to use a boomerang you're not it's not you be you're gonna just be like scared the ground half the time but a frisbee i don't know yeah i agree with you completely it's like um filch banned these for a good reason yeah all right i also want to say that uh Barty Jr. is is such a drama queen. (laughs) This dramatic entrance into the great hall with this bolt of lightning behind you as I like walk up to the table. What? It's so good. (laughs) Such a a good entrance. It is a great entrance, but I'm also just like, you you are literally standing outside waiting for this. Yeah. (laughs) Oh. And then my last thing is that whatever joke Dumbledore was about to say was either dirty or offensive or both. I hope just dirty. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just like people walking into a bar and I'm like, mm, <laughs> it's going to go two places and neither of them are good. McGonagall was right for cutting you off. Yeah, definitely. Welcome to the education section where we talk about this goddamn school. So my first thing is, and I mean, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about what a 
basically terrible, not like terrible idea of the trial wizard tournament, but terrible in execution. Mm-hmm. Which is, okay, I get that you want to promote international connection, which I read as, oh, you want to like at least curb a little bit of the inbreeding by having kids meet other magical kids. <laughs> okay. Among other things. But why not just have like debate team or the witching version of model UN or like literally anything else even like an inter inner school quidditch tournament yeah would have been better than the triwizard tournament yes yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't have to be hard uh, it doesn't have to be deadly <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean quidditch is dangerous enough but in the seven years that we see of quidditch or however many years we actually see quidditch no one has died Someone dies in this in this fucking thing. Yeah. So, I mean, part of that is because of a very convoluted plan to get to Harry Potter, but nonetheless. Yeah. Could have been more safeguards, apparently. So. Yeah. It also, <laughs> the kids that are involved in the Triwizard Tournament, I mean, I know that they still, like, go to class and stuff like that, allegedly, but they're really missing out on basically an entire year of their education, focusing on on something else, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem, it just seems like if you want to have, like, magical Olympics, maybe adults would be better contestants. Right, or if you're going to have it be kids, maybe pick something different. Have it be, like, the Great British Bake the Great British Bake Off, but magical or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And along with this, I will have to say that the age line, I think, actually was a good idea. And... Is maybe the only incident we see of anyone taking children's safety seriously and being like, you have to at least be a legal adult to do this dangerous ass shit. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, oh, that actually makes sense. Yeah. Do you think that, I mean, I guess permission slips didn't exist the last time this thing existed, right? That was over 100 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm imagining full like Hunger Games, like 11 year olds against like 17 year olds and just. I don't know. Right. They're fighting fucking chimeras and shit. And it's like, yeah. I'm sure that any kind of dangerous magical beast gets got an 11-year-old pretty fucking easily. <laughs> I'm confused about why the the goblet, though, which seems to have, like, a good sense of, you know, who's most qualified, why they would choose someone who wasn't, like, didn't have the education to to do it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. If you're a very precocious, like, 11 or 12 or 13-year-old, maybe you'd have a fighting chance. But, like, I think there's still things outside of being, like, you may have the ability to do the thing. But maybe, like, even just, like, physical limitations or just, you know, skill level life experience might be the thing between winning a task and fucking dying. Yeah. (laughs) So... So, and like, I don't know, considering everyone's sort of cavalier attitude about like this potentially dangerous, deadly thing, everyone's like, oh, cool, the Tri Wizard Tournament. Only Hermione's like, death toll. <laughs> you know what doesn't have a death toll is fucking choir, you know? Yeah. Yep. But yeah, we'll have plenty of time to talk about this, but just this like first very instance of being like, isn't it going to be cool that people can do this like really dangerous thing? And it was like, yeah. And it's like, no, actually, what? Why are you endangering children's lives for no goddamn reason? 
Welcome to the politics section where we talk about things that are fucked up. So many fucked up things. Yeah. I'm going to start a little light with just the descriptions that the Sorting Hat gives us of each of the founders. (laughs) So we have two men who are described as bold and shrewd and two women who are described as fair and sweet. Yeah, I, I did peep that, actually. That's a no from me. Uh-uh. Yeah. Thumbs down. Like, no stars. I hate yeah. it. Yeah. It's like, really, two of the most powerful and well-known witches of this world, of this country, and that's what you can come up with? Yep. This one was pretty, and this one was nice. I just hate it so much. Just fucking... It's like, okay, like, I mean, how about being nice? Okay, but Ravenclaw is literally the house of, like, the smart people. (laughs) They're literally like, I want the smartest fucking kid you got. Yeah, like, wise Ravenclaw, perhaps, instead of fair. Clever, brilliant, literally anything. I'm trying to keep it in the cadence. Oh, fair. One syllable. Smart. Right? Really, so many. I don't know. I still, I still don't like sweet for Hufflepuff. I feel like sweet is dim- diminutive. That's not the word I mean, but like condescending. Um, it's very saccharine, if you will. <laughs> right. <laughs> also, a little bit just. It just feels like very like you're. Uh, what is the word? Uh, infantil. Uh, when you're yeah, like, infantilizing. That's it exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, really, once you start paying attention, the amount that J.K. Rowling hates women, sorry, scoundrel J.K. Rowling hates women, is oozing out of the pages of these books. Like, you can't even write a poem about the founding of the magic school that you created without infantilizing and, like, reducing to looks the two women that founded the fucking school. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah, she sure does hate ladies, which yep. we will have so much time to talk about. When we meet, every time we meet a new lady character, it's just like, wow, let us talk about how much actual scoundrel JKR hates ladies. Yep. Good times. Yeah. Um. Yep, yeah, what do you have here? I guess let's talk about the ableism in this here chapter. Yeah, let's do it. And... Part of it is that Fake Moody is one of the first magical characters we meet that has multiple, like, assistive devices. Mm-hmm. Like, he has a prosthetic leg and a prosthetic eye. Mm-hmm. And is described as having a, a a body that has been scarred by the work that he's done in his life. Which is basically being a magical cop, so, you know, not necessarily sympathy towards that kind of work. But the fact that Harry himself is horrified, and every every child in the room is so horrified that no one, like, claps when Dumbledore introduces him. Because they're just like, get a load of this dude, is just so fucked up. Like, What? I do think that it's relevant to remember that Moody did uh, slam the doors open mid-speech and, like, enter with, like, a crash of lightning and thunder. I think that's 
at least part of it. Right? I mean, that's at least part of it. That is at least part of it. But, like, Harry also describes his face as being, like, as if someone carved it with only having, like, the barest notion of what a face looks like. Right. Which is, like, people don't have symmetrical faces. People have injuries where their face looks, you know, different. Like, is it, I mean, I don't know. It's just kind of, like, it's just really icky. <laughs> yeah. Think. Yeah. The description, the description and the, like... The gasp that we get from Hermione, all of that, definitely. Yeah, I I think I only meant the like nobody clapping part was I think the result, at least like 60% the result of the way that he entered the room. Um, but the reactions that we get from Harry and Hermione are definitely like deeply, deeply rooted in ableism and like ideas about what bodies should look like. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's pretty gross. Which I think leads me into my second part of this, which is just discussing prosthesis, the mm-hmm. prosthesis that we see in this chapter, which I mean, up until now, I don't think like we haven't met anyone who's had like any kind of prosthesis or any kind of like aids or anything besides no. glasses. Um so I guess I want to talk about I kind of want to talk about his prosthetic leg first. Yeah. Which I know you want to talk about because as Harry describes it, he it is made of wood and ends in a clawed foot like a table leg. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I don't really know why unless it's like Moody just being metal as fuck because did the barest amount of research and like why wouldn't prosthetics are like a super old cultural thing that people have been doing. I could not find evidence of people making clawed foot or even like looking somehow animalistic at the end prosthetic legs. I mean, I have always interpreted the clawed foot as being, yeah, basically Moody just being metal as fuck as, you know, basically being like, I'm going to decorate this thing. But I don't think it makes any sense for him to have a wooden leg in 1994 or whatever year we're in now. That's ridiculous. Yeah. 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 And I mean, uh, from, from what I could find, I mean, people have been making wooden and leather prosthetics since like 3000 BC. But that is because really that was the best material to use up until pretty recently. And it is... Especially fucking weird that the witching world doesn't have a better alternative because we get in this book Voldemort giving Wormtail a fucking silver hand. Mm-hmm. And is it dark magic? Probably not. I don't know. But he has, from what we can tell, a responsive hand that fully Voldemort, functional. fully functional that Voldemort just basically conjures out of midair, it feels like. And where is this technology what like why does it moody have a cool silver leg or something equal as magical feeling yeah because again this this is a magical world like obviously they're using a lot of natural materials because heaven forbid anyone use plastic or silicon or i don't know zippers or whatever the fuck here but yellow yellow magic you couldn't figure out <laughs> no one has made progress with this and then 
And you have his eye, which does seem cool, but does not seem super functional. Yeah, I had that in health and science to talk about. I want to propose that part of the magic of the eye is the way that it interacts with your brain. Like it, it somehow like changes the way like the synapses are interpreted so that you can keep up with what the eye is doing. Because otherwise, uh, Barty Crouch Jr. would have been down and out for days while his mind adjusted just to like the sensory information that was being just like forced into him all of a sudden yeah and like we're not the kind of mammals where our eyes work independently giving us different information like our eyes work in tandem and while i'm sure it'd be very convenient to be able to perceive behind you or magically yeah just the adjustment period of like right your brain is being like all kinds of new information i mean like shit i got my a new prescription like a week ago or a couple of weeks ago and I'm still when I put my glasses on the more my brain's just like whoa mm-hmm. <laughs> what <laughs> everything seems a little bit off and it just and, and part of me is just like this is really the best y'all can do no I don't think I think this is a moody thing like either he invented it or he had it made for him because of his constant vigilance which I mean I guess you know if you're a kind of magic cop where people are after you and you've gotten into so many physical altercations it seems like yeah like if i had a magical eye that could detect weird magical whatever like that would that would probably ease a lot of my anxiety and paranoia also yeah yeah i assume i mean because this eye the functionality of this eye could be applied to just like a prosthetic regular eye that just fed you information so i think he just took the existing prosthetic eye technology and like amplified it yeah um this actually doesn't have anything to do with politics but i feel like the movie design of moody's eye has always deeply upset me as being deeply incorrect yeah it's like steampunk looking right yeah it has like a strap yeah you don't need a strap what it's yeah in his it's in his eye socket yeah like people have like glass eyes in their eye sockets like that's how that works so he can blink it's described as being like bigger than the other which i feel like the movie people must have just interpreted ghoulishly for whatever reason yeah i feel like it's like the size of a like billiard ball and i'm like yeah it's too big it's too much yeah yeah, Harry's is like the size of a coin, which is definitely larger than the other eye, but he could probably still blink over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just feel like, yes, Moody is, real Moody is, yes, metal as fuck and wants to look as intimidating as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, Like the skittish house cat that he is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, I don't know. I guess I just wish we got more disability representation to, like, get a sense of, like, besides just, like, him and Wormtail. Yeah, it really says a lot about uh, Rowling that she's like, well, I really need this guy to be, like, unsettling, so I gave him a wooden leg. 
instead of giving him a, a magical leg, which we still could have learned about, right? Like his his right leg or whatever is like glowing silver. And then Harry later finds out that it's a magical prosthetic, which also would have been really cool foreshadowing for Wormtail getting his magic hand at the end. Yeah. But she was invested in making him scary to us, which she did by being ableist. So Which... Is unfortunately a very common problematic trope that you find in a lot of horror movies. Yep. Um, which I keep posting about in my Halloween Muggle Studies post because just the endless amount of physical and mental ableism in horror movies is real fucked up and mm-hmm. real shitty. And uh, it is actively harmful. <laughs> and I think that, I think in some ways people are kind of moving away from that a little bit but it is still kind of a big basis of like slasher films and stuff like that but to see it here like this isn't a horror movie like this is just just some uh insidious uh ableism dropped into the middle of this book right so. yep so the mark of a good house elf is that you don't know that it's there <clears throat> this whole conversation is so fucked up yep and you know before digging into like even the super deep part of it just another example of um pronoun use in this book indicating uh like personhood or lack thereof because nick uses it's instead of they to refer to this house elf this imagined house elf that is good because you don't know that they're in the room yeah i feel like the whole conversation just gives off Oh, sweet, ignorant child. You don't know how the world works. He laughs so hard. He shakes his head off when she's like, are they compensated fairly for their time? Like, yeah, fuck that. I hate it. And like, those are the real questions. Because again, the only other alternative that we see about what happens when households get old is Sirius's fucked up family where they're clearly just murdered and beheaded and then taxidermied on the walls, which is all, I mean, I, I love a taxidermy thing, but that is fucked up. Those are people. Yeah. But I mean, the real question's right. Like, do they get vacation time? Do they get like pensions? Like. I love that Hermione thinks of everything. She's like, I want them to be paid. I want them to have paid vacation. I want them to have sick leave and I want them to have pensions. You're like. You're 14. Like, <laughs> this is great. She's not even. She's about to be 14, right? Because her birthday is in September. And she's like, I already know all of the important things that one should get from their place of employment. Yeah. I mean, Hermione is uh, ready to unionize these house elves. Yep. Essentially. And, I mean, again, these are all questions you should be asking of a paid employer. I mean, let alone over a hundred people that work in this goddamn school. Yep. Um, yeah, what else in this conversation did you want to dig into? Uh, just that, and I know part of it is that only because half selves became relevant to the plot does this come up, but... Again, Hermione has read a lot of history books about the school, about what's going on, and she didn't. Even, she doesn't even know that there are over a hundred house elves working at Hogwarts until this 
conversation that easily could have never happened from Nick mm-hmm. and just just zero acknowledgement of all of the unpaid labor that is happening to produce these feasts and to make the beds and to start all of the fires, all the place. Like, what? Yep. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. I also just feel like it just seems super relatable when everybody's like, oh my God, I'm not going to eat because of slave labor. It, I don't know. I feel like it reminds me very vividly of back in the 90s finding out that like Nike has made all of their shoes in like sweatshops and it's like oh I can never buy a pair of Nikes ever like because they're like 10 year old kids like stitching this shit together. I mean part of the unfortunate fact of globalization is that much of our clothing is constructed that way. Not Nikes anymore though weirdly. Really? Yeah. That podcast that was the biggest one because I I mean I still have never bought a new pair of Nikes. <laughs> Yeah, I actually learned this on, I think, on You're Wrong About. Apparently, Nikes and I think, like, Adidas, the two, like, the big shoe companies that had the whole, like, expose in the 90s now have some of the best, like, labor labor practices for things that are made in, you know, China and Indonesia and wherever they're being made because there's all of this intense scrutiny on them. So, like they might be one of the the best brands that you could buy because they're like, we don't want that to happen again. So we're actually going to, they have all of these like independent third party, whatever they're called, like oversight boards that they work with and stuff like that. I was like, that is fascinating because I too have been avoiding Nikes and like buying new Converse because they're now owned by Nike since the nineties. And I was like, yeah, oh, apparently I would have been doing a better job by buying fucking Nikes. <laughs> Goddamn. Yeah. Yeah. Though it makes it makes sense. That is terrible press. So Yeah, know. and I feel like especially like that happened to me at like a critical point in my life, sort of like Hermione is where it's just like, oh no, never nope, nope. That is so morally unethical, I can literally cannot. Yep. And I mean now as much as I, you know, try to buy from like queer and like black designers i mean i just i i obviously thrift a lot of my clothing but i like don't have the money to be like everything i own has been ethically created yeah like that's just living in living under capitalism like there's no ethical capitalism like there's no ethical consumption under capitalism yeah i do what i can yep i do the research for things that i can like I'm like, I can buy all my underwear and from one company. I can buy all my socks from one company. I only buy shoes like once a year. These are the things I can like put my time and effort into doing the research on. But if I'm like buying a t-shirt somewhere, unless I know yeah. it's horrible, like I don't shop at H&M anymore, but I can't like research every store that I'm going to potentially buy something from. So, yeah, you know, just try, just do your best, everyone. Yeah, but I do, but I do, I do very reckon, I do, this like feels very familiar to sort of like instant black and white righteousness that Hermione has. It's like, I'm not fucking eating this meal. I know. And part of me is like, you're going to feel so shitty in the morning. Like you have to eat. It also is one of those things where it's like, is this helping anything or is it just hurting me? And like Mm -hmm. making that assessment, which she figures out pretty quickly, but like. If you're being given food that you're not spending money on and you eating it isn't going to make any difference in the production of the food, like, it, 
even if, you know even if you're like a super strict vegan like don't go hungry just because there's only a meat option like eat the meat you're not actually like making a difference on the meat industry by not eating that food right now i think it's really that's the thing that's like you have to learn that with time you know yeah okay the last thing i have in politics is just a like angry face about the fact that neville is convinced that his grandmother would want him to apply or like put his name in for the triwizard tournament against the rules because he needs to be working to like uphold his family's honor i had that highlighted because i was so angry about that i want to punch her in the face honestly i've never that's not true i've definitely punched someone in the face i haven't punched someone in the face for a long time but i definitely want to punch neville's grandmother in the face hell yeah right it's like what a burden to put on anyone let alone a 14 year old kid who's already struggling with this like undealt with learned like undealt with disability yeah <laughs> neville is struggling enough so much trauma like oh my god just leave him alone yeah welcome to editorials where we rant about stuff it's super weird that we get so little about Professor Sinistra. Like, the kids take astronomy every year they're at school, and we know nothing about her. Yep. It's really weird. It's super weird. Do we and... even know that do we even know the gender of this professor? I mean, I know that she's played by a woman in the movies, but I don't know. Yeah, I think because the most that we get her talking is in book five when they see mcgonagall get stunned outside of hagrid's hut but that's during the that's during the owls and it's oh it's uh, not the regular teacher right crap you're right i have no idea because yes it is played by women in the movies that's what i'm thinking of wow do we not yeah maybe we just don't even know that about this professor i mean still wild we know everything about every other professor except for this one yeah it's really weird all right, here's a question for you. Let me pull this up. <laughs> so, Peeves the Poltergeist, a little man in a bell-covered hat and orange bow tie, his wide, malicious face contorted with concentration as he took aim again. Yes or no, is Peeves naked except for his hat and bow tie? Huh. I guess if we're looking at the at just the text of this of the description, yes. But I think that if he actually was, Harry would comment on that. Probably. I wonder if, if Peeves' outfit is described elsewhere. I honestly like didn't realize that Peeves wore colorful clothes, I think, until we started this podcast. Like all my hundreds of reads, I just like my brain was like, mm, go through transparent, like just edited it out. Yeah, it's actually kind of unnerving um in like, for a long time, I played one of the uh, Harry Potter-themed mobile games. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Peeves is wearing the, like, jester hat and the orange bow tie. And, like, the rest of his outfit is also colored. But none of the other ghosts are because they're just ghost-colored. Yeah. And so it's just, it's very, it's like, it's very weird. 
And I'm also like, oh, this is why he's not in the movies because just the cognitive dissonance of how you would even describe him on screen visually would be so, like, so weird. Interesting. <laughs> I'm sure it can be done because, again, I think that the right medium would have been having the movies be animated. Mm. But Yeah. But yeah, live action CGI peeves, I cannot imagine what that would have looked like. But yeah, for whatever reason, he has a colorful outfit. Because he's a poltergeist. He's different from the other ghosts. <laughs> uh, it just makes him sound gay. He's just different from the other <laughs> ghosts. No, he's way too... I don't know what word I'm looking for. Annoying. Yeah, he's more like he's more like Dennis the Menace, really, than any... Yeah. Um, what do you have here? Okay, so another thing that Ron brings up in this chapter is Harry's like, oh, wow, the Sorting Hat song is different. And Ron's like, yeah, I say it every year. He probably just gets bored being a hat. And I'm like, this literally just occurred to me, but the Sorting Hat is sort of living a cursed life of just boredom and servitude. Mm. Like, the hat sits in Dumbledore's office 364 days out of the year. Only to be brought out to interact with people in this sorting ceremony that lasts, like, what, like, 20 minutes, 30 minutes tops? Mm-hmm. And then it's, like, back in the office to, like, right, do what? <laughs> and he's been doing that for, like, what, a thousand years since Godric Gryffindor is like, I'll just give this hat some intelligence. That'll be a fine and ethical thing to do. <laughs> that we'll just keep, we'll just keep using that as our way of uh, divvying up our, our student body. I was thinking about that too because this poem feels very Lewis Carroll-y and I was like, does the Sorting Hat just like hang out like reading? Does Dumbledore like prop up a a book in front of it that it can somehow like, I don't know, blow on to turn the page or something and it just like reads fiction all day? Because I just feel like you have to be exposed to poetry to write poetry, you know? It does, I guess, have the same kind of life as the portraits, though, right? It just gets yeah. to, like, uh, spy on everything happening in Dumbledore's office all the time and probably talk to the portraits, too, maybe. I would hope so. Maybe Dumbledore puts the hat on and then reads a book. Oh, cute. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, actually, I'm not sure the sorting hat has eyes. <laughs> True. Huh. Yeah. Oh, no, I love that. Like, part of the care... It's like a pet. Part of caring for... <laughs> The sorting hat is that you have to, like, wear it while you consume media so that it doesn't get bored. Because what a boring life. Maybe it, like, recites poetry to Dumbledore sometimes. Be like, I wrote a new poem today. It's like workshopping through the sorting hat song. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, good. Because otherwise it's like, this is like the stuff of nightmares. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So just being a, like, sentient being, but also being just trapped (laughs) doing this thing. Yeah. Seemingly forever. Either that or it sleeps like the Cave of Wonders in Aladdin. Like, it's only sentient when it's, like, called into yeah. existence and the rest of the time is just sleeping. I would hope so. Yeah. I honestly like the pet theory a lot better than that, though. <laughs> it, it's, a much, it's a much funnier <laughs> idea to imagine. Uh, yeah. Also, I just feel like it would be like the sorting hat would be a really annoying person to watch a movie with. Like it would have so much to say and you'd be like, shut up. But it'd be literally in your brain. (laughs) Yes. Cool. 
I gotta say that I don't understand why Quidditch is canceled. Uh, the Triwizard Tournament is not a reason to not have Quidditch. Like the Dumbledore is like, it will take up a lot of the teacher's time and energy. When has a teacher ever done anything having to do with Quidditch? They don't <laughs> not- even supervise <laughs> anything. <laughs> I don't get it. Right, and it's not like I mean, who doesn't do anything really? But she wouldn't be doing anything for the Triwizard Tournament anyway. No. Yeah, this is only there because Scoundrel J.K.R. hates writing Quidditch scenes. Even though this is a sport you created. So, like, can't say I'm having much sympathy for that. Um, I just would, I just feel like you don't have to write the Quidditch scenes just because there's Quidditch. Yeah. We get a lot of, like, you know, descriptions of of things having happened that are, like, brief paragraphs, you know? It'd be like, Gryffindor won Saturday's Quidditch match. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Moving on. I don't know. I was just thinking about how Quidditch is one of the only like viable employers in this <laughs> society. And it's like, if you're a senior and this is when the Quidditch scouts would be coming to recruit you, like, this is bad. This is like, really bad for your future. Truly. You'd be so pissed. Mm-hmm. So my last thing is a thing I want to ponder upon with you. Okay. So we learn... Or we've known, I think, that Nick can change his clothes. Like, he wears Mm -hmm. different ruffs and whatever. He gets festive. And we also know that the Bloody Baron is always covered in bloodstains. So at first I was like, does he just never change because he's dramatic? But then I was like, can he change? And no matter what, the bloodstains show up because they're part of, like, his penance. Oh... I like that idea. Right? Mm-hmm. Cool. That's it. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Gaily Prophet. Uh, don't forget to check the show notes for all of the things that we talked about at the beginning of the episode. Uh, the show and our other show, Escape from Reality, where we talk about Simon Snow series by Rainbow Rowell, are both creations of Hashtag Ruthless Productions and are produced, mixed, and edited by me. Um, our website is hashtag ruthless.com where you can find everything that we have talked about and that we are offering. So you should go check it out. And then you can find me on the internet on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit and on Instagram at live from Detroit. I can be found on the internet on my website, which is larkmalachi.com or on Instagram where I'm at larkmalachi. Our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester. The music in our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. And until next time. Pneumonia. Enthusiasm. <laughs> death toll. <laughs> <laughs> womp womp. <laughs>